From the Financial Times in London, I'm Matthew Vincent and this is FT News. Earlier this week, we learned that US aircraft maker Boeing and Iran's national airline have finalised a $16.6 billion deal for the sale of 80 aircraft. It's the first multi-billion dollar contract that Iran has signed with a US company since the 1979 Islamic Revolution. But it comes at a sensitive time when many politicians and business people, both in Tehran and Western capitals, expect President-elect Donald Trump to roll back some parts of the agreement that helped to lift sanctions on Iran. Only last month, the House of Representatives moved to block Boeing's Iranian deal and another deal for Airbus by voting through a bill that would prevent the US Treasury from issuing the licenses needed by US banks to complete the transactions. So how significant will the Boeing deal prove in the end? Well, to tell us, I'm joined in the studio by the FT's industry editor, Peggy Hollinger, and down the line from Washington by our US diplomatic correspondent, Jeff Dyer. Peggy, if I can come to you, first of all, this is quite a landmark deal, is it not? How important could this be for Boeing? Absolutely, it's a landmark deal. And I would say it's very important, not least because Iran has the potential to be one of the most lucrative aviation markets available to Boeing or its rival Airbus, assuming that everyone can get the financing right and that they won't breach, which still remain quite complicated elements of the sanctions regime. And why is Iran such an important market for aircraft manufacturers? Well, you have to remember that Iran has not been allowed to buy any Western-made commercial aircraft for decades. I think they still have an aircraft model flying around dating from the early 70s. They have estimated that they need at least 500 new aircraft to renew their aging fleet. So Iranian politicians are desperate to get new aircraft into the country because the public is very, very concerned by the rising rate of air crashes Iran has suffered in recent years. And I think they're desperate to buy them. The big questions are whether they have the money. Can they find the financing? But clearly, if one country needs 500 aircraft, Boeing and Airbus will see that as a very attractive market. So it sounds like this is a deal that's been you know, really quite a long time in the making. Yes, in fact, it has. And I think people have been eyeing up the Iranian market as being potentially quite lucrative for a long time. I mean, since the summer of 2015, when agreement was reached on the nuclear deal, it was very clear that there were conduits through which both Tehran and the aircraft makers could exchange their views on what was needed and how these needs would be fulfilled. And I think what's interesting is that Airbus was the first to actually sign a memorandum of understanding with Tehran over the sale of actually more aircraft, 118 aircraft worth 25 billion. But Boeing beat them to the pip in actually finalizing the details. Both sides have been absolutely adamant that they will not breach any sanctions. The financing has been a huge obstacle to clinching these deals. But I think in terms of selling the aircraft, for Boeing, it's both a combination of current generation and new generation aircraft, which is very important in helping them to bridge that costly transition to new generation aircraft. It's exactly the same for Airbus. You mentioned the difficulties in the financing. Is this simply a case of the limitations and restrictions that are put on those banks that might be involved in any kind of financing deal or are there other factors at play here? Well, it's important to understand that not all sanctions have been lifted on Iran. There are still very stringent sanctions in place. 
which means that even Boeing will have to go through foreign financiers, have to use foreign companies to finance this. And this has made a lot of, say, European banks very nervous because they don't know at what stage their financing operations might go via the United... Well, they do know, but they have to be very careful that these financing arrangements do not go via the United States. So I think this has been an absolutely labyrinthine problem for both the companies and for Tehran to find a way to make this work. The financing seems to be coming from Middle Eastern lessors, as far as I can tell, Asian lessors and financiers who expect to be able to find ways around those sanctions that still remain against U.S. involvement in financing to Iran. Jeff, if I could just come to you now. I mean, if the financing is difficult, getting the political approval for this will also be particularly tricky, especially given the change in political climate in the US. Absolutely. I mean, we don't know exactly what the Trump administration is going to do in Iran, but the one thing we do know is that the politics of doing business in Iran are going to get even more complicated under a Trump administration. Essentially, he has two kind of strategies he could take. One is to simply sort of tear up the deal, walk away from it on day one, as he has at times threatened. I think that's a bit less likely, partly because he's been warned by the other partners in the deal, including his European allies, that the US would get blamed for destroying the deal and no one would join the US in any new sanctions if they did this. The second strategy you could take, which is more likely, is essentially to support a lot of proposals for new sanctions on Iran. And these would be framed as sanctions that are not related to its nuclear program. They would be related to things like its ballistic missile program or human rights violations or its support of terrorism. But the Iranians would see this as a breach, at least in spirit, if not on paper. They might potentially walk away from the deal that way, but the Trump administration might hope that the Iranians would get the blame. As I say, it's not at all clear how this is going to play out, but the bottom line is the politics are going to get a lot more difficult, and that's going to feed into everything that Peggy's just been saying about how hard it is to get financing and other support to do transactions like this. Is there anything in Mr. Trump's pronouncements on Iran or indeed any other sort of foreign policy pronouncements or tweets in many cases that give an indication of how this might go? Or is trying to second guess that really just too difficult? I think you can't get into the details yet. I mean, he said very little of substance about how he's going to approach these issues. But if you just look at the people he's put in place, a lot of them are very sceptical about Iran. His national security advisor, General Michael Flynn, his defence secretary, General James Mattis, is another person who's very sceptical about Iran. He used to be the American commander in the Middle East and, and dealt a lot with Iran during that posting. His nominee to be a director of the CIA, Mike Pompeo, is a virulent opponent of the Iran deal and is very sceptical about Iran. And if you look at the Republican Party more generally, the one thing that brings together the different strands of the Republican Party is a kind of fairly deep-seated scepticism about Iran. That doesn't mean necessarily that they're just going to tear up the deal on day one, but it does mean there's a very strong chance you're going to get new sanctions that are going to complicate, if not to scupper, the nuclear deal. Yes, it doesn't sound like it's going to be straightforward. What sort of time scale are we looking at? What can we expect to happen over the course of next year? Donald Trump takes over on January the 20th. He now has the nominees for his senior team in place, but they have to get confirmed by the Senate, which could take you know, some weeks or months. And then he has to put in place a lot of the second-tier jobs who would be the people that actually really process a lot of these types of policies. So I think, although you know, we'll look for signals and look for announcements and look for statements by the president-elect and his team early on, this is the kind of thing it could take some weeks or months 
to play out. And a lot of the impetus might actually come from Congress rather from the administration. And Congress is going to push a lot of these new sanctions one way or the other. One of the points that I think needs to be made in terms of the timing of this deal, I mentioned earlier that Airbus had actually signed the deal first. It signed the deal many months before Boeing managed to get an order with Tehran. The interesting thing is that Boeing is the one that's finalized it first. And there is a view that this is very political, that the aim was to get Boeing pushed through quickly before Trump can get in. And that way, Congress and Trump cannot stop an Airbus deal, because if they've done it for Boeing, then they have to allow it to go forward for Airbus. So there's quite a lot of politicking in the actual contract signing and deal making as it is. A lot of politicking, and I'm sure a lot more to come. For now, Peggy and Jeff, thank you both very much indeed. And for more on Iran sanctions and corporate deals, do remember to visit ft.com forward slash Iran. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.